This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to Bethlehem.Church forward slash south. Well, our producer has told us, guys, that we need to bring back the random fact uh, to keep the banter alive, I guess, or something he like said, that. He, he said, said it, it wasn't wild it enough. It hasn't been wild <laughs> enough. Pastoring Out Loud where we get wild. I don't think that's... Those two things don't go together. Um, So I had really just one question. Dave, have you ever had a gym membership? (laughs) I I never have had a gym membership. You haven't? No. Okay. No. Do you work out? I do. Yep. What what does that look like? We, uh, We forever since college, so about 15 years now, 14 years now, have done beach body programs. Beach body. It's like a bunch of different programs. A bunch of different beach body programs. Various workouts that you can do right in the comfort of your own living room. Brilliant. Are these these on DVD? No, you stream them. You stream them. Well, they are on DVD. They are on DVD. Probably VHS somewhere. But we stream them. Laserdisc. Laserdisc. They yeah. are on DVD. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We. I actually have some of the old DVDs before okay. T25. You know, before there was a Beachbody on demand app. Beachbody on demand. <laughs> Get your Beachbody right now. now. Right now, I'm doing yeah. one called Ten Rounds. It's a boxing workout. It's fun. Okay. Have you ever had a gym membership, Nick? I haven't until two weeks ago when oh. I joined a gym. Okay. Yeah. What's that like? It's great. What gym did you join? That doesn't matter. <laughs> is it a lifetime commitment <laughs> to fitness? Uh, yeah, can you go yeah. there twenty four seven? You can go there twenty four seven. What's your What's your favorite thing about? Well, I gym I joined because I wanted to start swimming laps. Okay, and so I've done that a few times now, and it is quite a workout. Yeah, and basically the hardest part about it is that I feel like when I breathe on my side, I feel like I'm going to choke <laughs> on water. So I'm. It's not good. At, it's like a not natural motion. So you mean I've it's not natural for that. humans to swim? Well, it's not natural for us to not breathe. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> so uh, anyway, good point. it's been good. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. I'm also okay. hoping to meet some more people outside of the church. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. Well, I also have never had a gym membership. Uh, but we do some stuff at home that's free and YouTube-ish. should probably buy a treadmill. Minnesota winters are brutal. Ugh, I don't, don't like even get me started. Outside. Minnesota winters are brutal but bearable, Nick. Mm. Even if the air does feel like it's trying to kill you every time you go outside the airlock. <laughs> when you live somewhere where if your car dies, you might die, <laughs> bearable is questionable. <laughs> like bearable, <laughs> like a bear would come out of the woods and bearable. Anyways, sorry. Today we are talking about Sanctity of Life, so this upcoming Sunday. Which is why we started talking about working out, right? Not really. That was the the producers who demanded that. So this upcoming (laughs) Sunday is Sanctity of Life. Couple misses, guys. (laughs) Couple misses in a row. (laughs) Bringing it back now. This upcoming Sunday, I guess we never really started, so I'm not really Is this wild enough for you, Ethan? Yeah. Yes. Perfect. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So Sanctity of Human Life is this upcoming Sunday where we commemorate um, the Supreme Court uh, decision to legalize abortion in all 50 states. 
um, and commemorate perhaps is the wrong word. Like we mourn, we remember mm-hmm. that it happened and we mourn, um, that, uh, the unborn were, uh, legally allowed to be killed in the United States. So this upcoming weekend, although Jonathan Lehman, uh, who's coming from Chevrolet Baptist church, he'll be preaching. Um, Dave, you just preached a sermon that kind of combined ethnic harmony and uh, sanctity of life, talking about that. Um, before we really get into talking more deeply about it, just what was the connection that you drew in your sermon on Sunday between the two? Why those two seem fitting in some way with one another? Yeah, the the biblical foundation for both uh, people that cares about the sanctity of life from the unborn all the way to uh, the grave and a people that cares about um, image bearers loving each other across ethnic lines is just that, that we recognize that our creator and our king has made people in his image and therefore they have inherent worth and value as reflectors of his glory and reflectors of all that he is and in the sermon, I just said that, you know, if you think about a God who's created a people in his image and then tells them, go and fill the earth with this, it's showing that he's creating a world that's all about his glory and that as those who are meant to reflect it, that there's inherent worth. And I told a story uh, that a lot of people said was helpful and also a lot of people laughed at, that when I was trying to explain this concept to Stone, we were, we were at Buffalo Wild Watching a Warriors game. Buffalo Wild what? Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, oh, sorry. Is Buffalo Wild an abbreviation for Buffalo Wild Wings? I don't know. Do you just call it Buffalo Wild? I I do. Okay, fine. Continue. Okay. Uh, We're watching the Warriors game. We're talking about the image of God. And I said to him, you know, let's imagine. So his grandma and grandpa in Iowa have horses that our kids really, really love. And I said to him, "Let's, let's just imagine for a second that grandma and grandpa fall on hard times. And they're trying to figure out what to do, and Grandpa has to decide whether he's going to get rid of the horse or Grandma. Which one does he get rid of? And and right away, Stone could recognize that you have to get rid of the horse because Grandma is uh, a wife and a grandma and a and a mom and a human being, and she's got this value. And so I just made the case that the whole world knows that humans are inherently valuable, and yet we live in a world that wants... Uh, the convenience and the blessings and the instant gratification of the kingdom without wanting to comply to the creator king's uh, commands that are meant for the good of humans and the glory of his name. And so that was that's kind of the connection I made between the two, the image of God. Yeah, that's good. So as we think about sanctity of life and at Bethlehem, we care, we believe that all human life um, reflects the image of God, and therefore, because that's the case, has inherent like worth, and an inherent worth above the rest of creation, in right. some sense, if you're reading Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 well. So it's not saying that other forms of life don't have worth, but the human life in particular has a special God-assigned worth to it. And we believe that from, like, wh- when do we believe that human life begins? And why do we believe that? We believe it begins at conception. Why? We, we believe it based on verses like, uh, I, I've, I formed you in your mother's womb, mm. like in Psalm 139. Um, and even 
David's own admission that surely from my mother's womb I was sinful. Yeah. Which is... And sin did my mother conceive yeah. me. Yeah. Right. Psalm mm-hmm. 51, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. 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 Um, and so things like that help us to realize that there are humans in the womb, not just, you know, masses of cells that don't have any worth. Right. Yeah. And we talked, you mentioned it on, on Sunday, and you see reflections of this even as in, in places like the, the Levitical and Deuteronomic code and law, like that life in the womb is worth something. Like, so we talk about this in our, in our current law where many states, you commit two homicides if you right. kill a pregnant woman and the unborn child inside her dies as well. Or even um, that in some cases in the Old Testament, the death of a child um, was was worthy, you know, in the womb was worthy of death. Or at very least in some instances when it was accidental, it was worth something, even if not a, a full human life in turn in cases of accident and other things like that. So we can definitely see that human life scripturally begins at conception. Like, I don't think that's debatable by anybody. And uh, I don't think that that was ever genuinely debated in the church um, at any time. And certainly, you know, by the time um, the earliest Christians across the Roman Empire uh, begin to have some influence upon broader society, we see things like the practice of infanticide in the Roman Empire coming to an end. So that, and very often... Uh, little girls bore the brunt of that and still in some societies today across the world bear the brunt of that, that, um, you know, it was thought to be less valuable in some sense if a little mm-hmm. girl was born. Mm-hmm. And therefore in societies with uh, limited resources and other things, to leave a child out exposed to the elements was societal norm. And what did Christians say? Absolutely not. Why? Because all life is made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. All human life is made mm-hmm. in the image of God and therefore mm-hmm. has inherent worth. So when we come to the topic of abortion and the Supreme Court justice decision in 1973 to enshrine as part of constitutional law um, that that the unborn are not humans in that regard, we look at that as a wrong and, yes, even wicked decision mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we have more than enough evidence to say otherwise. And uh, just our own laws today including things that the Supreme Court has ruled at times in the past, would say that the unborn do have value. Problem is, is when it's ascribed to them by their, by their mother or by mm-hmm. others in society. It's really a, it's a decision that might makes right power wielded is what decides what the morality of the day is. So we mourn that in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. I mean, what were some of the statistics you were saying, Dave, on, on Sunday in regards to to, I mean, not just, you weren't just talking about American, mm-hmm. you know, here in America, but like worldwide, mm-hmm. um, this is. Yeah. Practiced. You know, there's, you can find stats that vary a little bit. So I actually tried to give the more conservative ones to not exaggerate at all, but approximately 60 million reported legal abortions uh, since the Supreme Court decision in America and the, the facts that I found would put the low number at something like 1.5 billion abortions approximately worldwide since yeah. 1980. I mean, that's, 
that's a significant number of human beings that would have lived lives uh, that didn't. And I think I think what you said is important. You know, I think that it's it's good to look at what is the moral compass, what is the moral prerogative of our day. And I argued on Sunday that the moral pr- prerogative of our day is instant gratification. Um, look inside myself, decide what's important, and then express that in whatever way I see fit. Um, and so if something is not convenient to me or is going to ruin uh, my what I be- perceive in that moment to bring me happiness, then it's my prerogative to take steps to um, be happy in that moment. And I think I think uh, the Supreme Court ruling is a uh, shows that kind of reality. And I think, you know, even, I don't know how many people know this, but Kelly and I, uh, Kelly was a, a residential supervisor for a group home where we lived in uh, the basement with four adults with disability. And uh, I remember being at a meeting in this group, uh, this this company, where they were talking about how they didn't know in 30 years if there would be uh, if, if their business would be viable anymore because of the overwhelming statistics about children with disabilities who are aborted uh, in the womb. So that that's even a newer reality than the kind of the 1973 Supreme Court decision is now there's, you know, more advanced testing that can basically give you a guess. Like, yeah, this this could be a baby with a disability. It's, it's never a certainty. And the number of, and the number of abortions of those kinds of children is staggering. Uh, you can find different percentages, so it's probably not helpful to throw it out there. But well over fifty percent of people that get those kinds of results will often take that route. Yeah. So when we talk about the unborn, we talk about um, you know being a voice for those that have no voice. We also think about. You know, we're, we're pro-life. We believe in the sanctity of life from the womb all the way to the grave. And so for those uh, in group homes, those, um, you know, that are older and perhaps losing, uh, you know, cognitive function and other things like that, we do not believe, nor does the Bible teach, that your humanity is coextensive with your utility, Mm-mm. either to society or just even to yourself. So the loss of function, the loss of other things along those lines, um, you know, does not lower your inherent worth, which if we're operating from a different standpoint, one that is um, deterministic, humanistic, uh, evolutionary in its total understanding of human origins, it would make sense that the fittest survive and the less fit don't. And that that is ultimately good for the species. And we as Christians stand and say, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just ought not be mm-hmm. in any sense. Mm-hmm. So what, what would you say from a, uh, your standpoint, Nick, about anything that we've just talked about? Anything else that you'd add here? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't think I'd add a ton more except just to say that, you know, we value life, like you said, not just the unborn, but from the beginning of life all the way through. And, um, you know, we want to be a place that models that for people. And so we love highlighting like we did it on Sunday, you know, ministries in our community like Amnion Crisis Pregnancy Center that really seeks to help um, 
mothers that are going through crisis pregnancies or pregnancies that are unplanned or maybe unwanted and um, to see them through those things. And so we love highlighting things like that and, um, yeah, just holding those out to our people as worthy causes to know that are there in our own community and to support and to get behind. Yeah. I think oftentimes it's leveled in our very partisan, 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 partisans are partisan. Yeah. So in our, in our partisan kind of society where there's polar opposites in political discourse, that pro-life, uh, I've, I've been, you know, said to my face, you know, pro-life is a sham. You don't really care about anyone other than the unborn and other things like that. And then I, you know, just in the pro-life ministries I've been involved in both in Ohio, Wisconsin, and here, and certainly thinking about Amnion, like, it just doesn't mark anybody that I've ever known. Right. Like, that. that's not ever been the case that, uh, you know, all these various ministries and we as a church walk alongside people who are, uh, you know, uh, moms with unplanned pregnancies, uh, dads, yep. um, you know, of, of unborn kids, um, the poor, the weak, the marginalized. So I, I don't think it's uh, sort of like it's either this or it's this. No, uh, the Bible holds up the value of all human life. And we're just in our society presently over the last 40, uh, no, 50, yeah, coming up on 50 years, um, there is a particular segment of society that is particularly set aside for slaughter. And so mm-hmm. we hold that up as a, mm-hmm. as a great value and few others are doing so um, mm-hmm. outside, of, um, outside of Christian and other religious circles. Although uh, I do know, I do have an acquaintance who is a, an ardent uh, humanist and is extremely pro-life. Because they they do recognize that life does begin at conception. It's human life, not some other kind of life. Um, yeah. What else would you say about broadly the topic of sanctity of life with any of these particular demographics or other things like that? I mean, the only other thing I'd add is that I just think of a passage like First Corinthians twelve, and kind of the logic of the gospel and the logic of the church and the logic of our God where he would say there that it's the weaker members of the body that are actually indispensable. And so it is true uh, that there, there are weaknesses and there is brokenness, and, and God would say, yeah, it's, it's just those members that are indispensable in your body. And so the church believes in uh, life beginning at conception all the way to the grave. And we would also say, and we just believe God's, uh, God's supremacy is seen in his power being made perfect in weakness, and him even saying it's the weaker members that are indispensable. So I'd say that. Um, I think it's an important gospel Christian church category for us to have. We, we are different than the world, like you said, and we're not, we're not a show. We're not, uh, we're not utilitarian. We're not measuring our members' productivity. We're, we're trying to make mature disciples of Jesus, and that's a body with all different kinds of members and God says the weaker ones are indispensable, so we ought to we ought to think that, right? We ought to have that deep in our bones. And then, secondly, just to say that while we want to pretty vigilantly stand against uh, the reality of our culture and the reality, what I would just say is a culture of death and um, self-expressivism and and all those kinds of things, we would also want to we'd also want to say, man, there's so much grace. <laughs> there is grace that covers the deepest, darkest sins that you can commit 
there is grace for the woman that has an abortion, and we want to welcome them in and walk with them in their grief and their shame. There is grace for the man that has contributed or encouraged in that decision, and we want to welcome him in and walk with him in the grief and the shame. And uh, and so Christians ought to be both, right? Because <laughs> because because we're pro life. Uh, those are people made in the image of God, mm-hmm. and we don't get to toss them away because they entered into sin. We we believe that God is in the business of redeeming and reconciling and returning to us the years that the locusts have eaten, in a sense. And uh, we want to be a church that stands for what God stands for in His in His justice and in His grace. And what a beautiful thing the cross is to show us how that works. Yeah. Amen, Dave. Well. What's going on here at South in regards to Sanctity of Life and pro-life stuff? Um, of course, we have this partnership with Amnion Pregnancy Center. I'm hoping to see in 2022 and into 2023 um, that increase and grow and the visibility of Amnion um, take on kind of a new life here. And then in addition to that, um, I mean, there's just loads of things happening right around. I'm not sure when this podcast will come out. It might come out. Uh, maybe we should have it come out right before um, Sanctity of Life Sunday. But there's the March for Life Saturday. Uh, at the Capitol. Um, there are buses going from north and downtown. I think we have vans reserved at south. Um, nobody's availed, uh, you know, reached out to say that that's something that they would take. So we're encouraging carpooling or potentially, uh, you know, go to downtown and catch a bus there um, if you'd like to go on over. So that's happening this Saturday. We're passing out donation baby bottles um, for Amnion this upcoming Sunday to be returned by February 20th. Um, so please uh, grab those. Those will get passed out on Sunday as people are leaving the church. Um, and if I don't think this will come out after that, but if it does, uh, grab those. They'll be around and make sure you bring them back. Um, and there's going to be uh, more coming up in quarter one and quarter two, 2022. Guys, thanks so much.